0: Hello, Janina.
1: (laughs) Hi, nice to see you.
0: It must be podcast time again.
1: I think it's that time of year, actually. It's time for Ericsson Mobility Report. June edition, June edition, June 2022 edition. And, you know, as podcast listeners, yes, this is what we do. Uh, Twice a year we talk Ericsson Mobility Report. What is it, Paul? Explain.
0: The Ericsson Mobility Report basically looks at what's happening in the mobile networks around the globe. Uh, it's a kind of snapshot of where we are within, in the industry, and it also provides like forecasts for five years ahead so that we can see how we expect the market to be developing globally, but also in different geographies. So we can like zoom in and say, well, what's happening in Latin America over the next five years? And then the report itself, there's a section there in terms of mobile data statistics, um, what's happening with IoT device connections and all that kind of stuff. And then there's a number of articles which focus on uh, you know topical details or and things that are happening in the world of uh, mobile so generally good stuff and it's been going for oh at least ten years because we had the ten year episode uh, only is, uh, a few months ago that was in November there you go so there's uh, ten months ten years, and six months or something and to create the mobile. A mobility report. We have a kind of a small team that uh, that work with authors and third parties on creating the articles, uh, and some clever data science guys who work with data from the mobile operators to actually see what's been happening historically and and where are we now and where where do we think we're heading?
1: So it's actual data from the service providers out there around the world. Which is amazing.
0: Well, it is, except when we start talking about what's happening in twenty twenty seven.
1: Yeah, the forecast.
0: The forecast part is not based on historical data. Well, I guess it's it's influenced by.
1: And, and we have heard from Mr. Mobility Report himself, Patrick Ziral, that they're they're pretty good at forecasting. He keeps repeating that <laughs> when I say, "What's wrong? <laughs> what was wrong this time?"
0: The forecasts are good enough that we that we keep doing them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's a really dedicated team, and yeah, with some really good scientists and science behind it. And in every mobile Report, at least nowadays, perhaps not 10 years ago, but nowadays, they always have some in-depth articles. And in this one, the in-depth articles is the evolution of MTN's connectivity platform. MTN, that's a service provider in Africa, as far as I understand. It's enabling demanding use cases with CSP edge computing. And the CSP communication service providers, that's the telcos. And edge computing, Paul, we have an episode coming up on the podcast. We do. If people want to know more about edge computing. Yeah. Yeah, really good deep dive. Now even I can explain what edge computing is. Then we have securing 5G networks in an evolving threat landscape about 5G and security and the last one is, but not least, unleashing the power of IoT connectivity. And there, that article is co-written by the Swedish service provider Telia, and we have them also, or him,
0: or even Telia company.
1: Yeah, Telia company. Stefan Eriksson, who is the senior portfolio manager for the IoT area at TeleCompany. We have him on the podcast together with Petri Jonsson, who is one of the executive editors of the report. And this chat was quite long. So I I suggest we go straight into Build report. What's new? What data is new? And a slightly deep dive on what's happening with 5G in Sweden and with IoT and cellular IoT in specific.
0: With the Internet of Things.
1: Internet of Things. Ah, exciting. Okay, today on The Voice of 5G, we have some excellent guests. Of course, we are talking Ericsson Mobility Report and a new face that we are interviewing today. Peter Jonsson, you are the executive editor of the report. Welcome to the podcast, Peter.
2: Thanks a lot, Janine, and really nice to having me here.
1: Yes, we've had previous uh, your fellow Ericsson Mobility Report colleagues, Annette Lundvall and uh, Patrick Serval, on the podcast. And it's ha- happy to see you as well here. But not only, Peter. Yes, Peter brought a guest and we have, for the first time on the Voice of 5G podcast, we have a guest from Telia Company, Staffan Eriksson. Welcome to the podcast.
3: Thank you so much, Anina. Happy to be here.
1: Great to hear your voice as well. You are the senior portfolio manager for Division X at the Telia Company. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing?
3: Yes. So Division X is a unit with Intelia focused on identifying and growing and scaling new opportunities. One of those are IoT. So I'm in the product division or product organization within Division X, uh, responsible for the IoT connectivity, the horizontal connectivity offering that we provide to our customers in our footprint, but also going global.
1: Very nice. And then all your listeners out there, you realize that we're going to talk a little bit about IoT as well (laughs) in this podcast. But (laughs) let's start off with Peter. New edition of Ericsson Mobility Report. It's the June 2022 edition now out. Uh, What's new? What's the highlights?
2: Yeah, new edition and new figures. That's always great to have something to present to the market. But I think we did release our last report in November 2021, and now we have the same forecast period. So what we are doing in between our editions is to just look at the market drivers that are happening in the market, and then we adjust any signs of uh, uptake or downtake, so to speak, uh, that is happening. But all in all, we see some really good growth in 5G subscriptions during 2021. We actually went from 161 million 5G subscriptions to now having 620 in this second quarter or first quarter of 2022. So there have been hundreds of millions 5G subscriptions coming in, you can say, because of the people are migrating for 4G and, and seeing the new opportunities with having a better speed on the network and a better network quality. So that's fantastic, I think, actually. And I think also this coming year during 2022, we will actually see or we forecast at least that will be about 1 billion 5G subscription at the end of this year. That's quite amazing, Janina. Did you think about that when you started your career you here, that you will hear 1 billion 5G subscriptions in 2020 with two already?
1: Well, now that I've been doing 5G podcasts for a couple of years, you're like, wow, wow, well, that sounds reasonable.
0: <laughs> so are we uh, are we going to get 1 billion listeners on the podcast, Janina?
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed. But I mean, this is something, it's, it is growing much faster than previous Gs. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Is that what is that due to? Do you know? Is there any conclusions why it's growing faster?
2: There's a couple of drivers here that come into play with 5G, and uh, one is of course that China was a bit late on 4G, but they have been really focusing on 5G deployments and being early to market with with the 5G. Uh, being such a big country, of course, that's make it a fast uptake on, on figures. But actually, if you take away China of the equation, so to speak, and look at the growth outside China, we still have a, a double number of subscriptions at the same time period compared to 4G, now with 5G. So it's also growing faster in other regions and markets. So in all, I think it's easier for a subscriber to go to 5G from 4G than it was from 3G to 4G because handsets are much more abundant and available at this time compared to 4G. There are more models, the price levels has gone down faster due to the, I mean, compute resources in the device chipsets and so forth has been amazingly developed during the last years. And so it's definitely so that that's driving a lot of the market And, and people want to have large, better speeds, actually, and better quality on the network when they are communicating. I think that's the main drivers we see.
1: And at the end of 2021, it was the mobile subscription. North America was 20% on 5G. And in Northeast Asia, which includes then China and, and Japan and South Korea, big 5G countries, 19%. So those are the front runners of 5G, those areas, right? But how it's happening in other regions. I saw India mentioned. They have just started. What's happening there? Can you see anything moving?
2: Yeah, India is a really interesting market outside the big normal markets we are, I mean, associating 5G with. 5G hasn't started there yet. There are Spectrum auctions and allocation of Spectrum to buy for the operators now in in the second half of this year. But we expect that 5G will be launched at the end of this year, during the second half at least. And you might think India is a different country than others in terms of consumption and so, but actually India subscribers on the mobile networks are using a lot of traffic already on the 4G network. We saw actually that it's in two, three years ago when, when 4G really went from being a niche to something uh, mass market in India, and the, the consumption really rocketed. Uh, primarily because the Indian subscribers are using smartphones and the mobile network instead of uh, fixed broadband networks, which are then not so much available. So it's a lot of con- consumption over the phone, then, uh, which means that, I mean, we already today see some 20 gigabytes per month on average for an Indian subscriber. It's It's quite amazing. And we expect that to, to, to continue on 5G and that the growth will be quite fast in, in India uh, during the first years of 5G uptake.
1: 20 gigabytes per month average user.
0: 20 per month average. Wow. That's a lot.
1: That is a lot.
0: I saw that when they have now going for 5G spectrum licensing, that they're actually going to introduce spectrum for industry use as well. So that would be to stimulate growth, not just in the consumer side, but also on the enterprise business side.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. And with our consumer lab resources, we have looked into the to the interest of 5g among both consumers and enterprises that those studies we are doing indicate a strong interest actually for 5g as an opportunity to make your business more efficient or new reach new customer segments and so there's definitely a, not only a consumer interest that is in india it's also on the enterprise uh, side
0: the interesting thing is you see the opposite as well there are markets where 5g is not yet launched where Because all of the, like the new flagship smartphones are 5G capable. People are buying 5G handsets, even though they've not got 5G available yet. So as soon as those countries bring 5G online, they've got a kind of pent up demand of people with, with 5G capable handsets or phones that they can uh, just Couple up.
1: And your forecast now, that's reaching to 2027, same as then last year, but with some adjustments in the numbers, right? And the forecast for 2027 is pretty stunning. It's 90% 5G coverage in North America, 82% in Western Europe. There is some growth potential here indeed. <laughs> that's a big jump. Western Europe 2021, 6%, 2027, 82%. That's a big step in a rollout of new technology?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to scale fast. And you might say that in Western Europe, it was a bit of a slow uptake the first one and a half year and so forth. There were delays in, in, the, auks- in the spectrum auctions in many countries. We had the pandemic, of course, uh, impacting uh, some of the uptake. And we also have very good deployed networks, 4G networks, throughout all Europe. So combined with that, maybe the consumer urge for migrating wasn't that strong. But... We now see that in in just 2021 there was 25 million subscriptions added to the existing 5 million that were before then. So really a, a quadruple adding, you can say, during 2021, just in in Western Europe. And so it's it's definitely uh, getting a more intention and people are then migrating to 5G. And this will only it was all, will only accelerate during the coming forecast periods as we understand it. So.
1: Yeah, I read also that. A- quarter of the global population now has access to 5G coverage. They might not have 5G coverage on their phone, but, or they might not have a handset, but at least a quarter of the global population. Can you explain that a little bit, Peter?
2: Yeah, it hangs together partly with uh, what I said before about China being on their toes and deploying 5G in, in, in mass and very uh, large deployments in terms of coverage as well. So. In, in those populous countries in, in Northeast Asia, uh, the, the build out has been strong. So that is, of course, then building a, a large coverage in a short time. And the same also in North America, where operators are also deploying a lot on the low band, which reaches a, a large part of the population in, in, in terms of the uh, base stations, so to speak. So, yes, one quarter the worst population are living under 5G network access, uh, you can say. So if they just get the handset and the subscriptions, they can hook on to the the 5G networks already.
1: Yeah, it seems to be a very big gap in the world at the moment. Um, I mean, some countries have 5G and then it's like uh, complete regions where it's not even launched. It's like you, you can really see it's like those years where it's like really ramping up in some countries and seem to be very slow and or non-existent in some countries and areas but let's should we start going into one of the countries yeah exactly sweden Mm. (laughs) as we have Stefan with us so telia is you the biggest service provider operator in sweden
3: Yes, I think we, especially when it comes to 5G, we are now leading the rollout of the 5G network. Today, I think we cover around 30% of the population and next summer it's going to be 90%. So we're putting a lot of effort into to our 5G investments and rollouts.
1: Wow. I am a Telia customer. Happy to say, Stefan, but I've been a Have little to bit here. <laughs> Great, but I live in the suburbs of Stockholm, and there is no 5G here. I guess I live in a rural area, in a villa area, and I'm very upset because Paul he has 5G coverage on his phone. But during midsummer, the biggest holiday in Sweden, I visited my parents up in the north just north of Sundsvall in Sweden. And there, I had 5G coverage. Safan. I was very happy.
3: <laughs> yeah, you, you need to send me your address and we'll fix it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> no, Joke aside, just, of course, there's a well thought through plan on how to deploy this city by city. And we are aware that the pandemic had some consequences People are now actually moving their primary home, maybe from their the, from their flat in the city into the into their summer house in the archipelago. So, I mean, we are aware that the there's, the coverage may need to be built in a different way now compared to historically. But as I said, we are investing heavily in this, and by next summer, ninety percent will have coverage. So, I'm sure you will have as well, Dina.
1: Fingers crossed, but that sounds great. So, how are you working with the with 5G at the moment? What is what is the main? Is it uh, putting up the radios, or is it launching SA? What's happening?
3: Yeah, I mean, as you say, there, there's two different parts of this. One is the rollout of the, of the radio network, and there we have come. Pretty far, as you hear. Then it comes to the when it comes to the core network. We in November we launched the four, first core five G network, uh, which was an, in our Finnish operation. Uh, and then we're gonna do it in sequence, country by country. And I think from as, as I'm talking or looking from an IoT perspective, I think that's really important for me because when it when it comes to All the great new capabilities and things that we can do on the IoT side, it comes with uh, or uh, is dependent on the core network. Higher speeds, the enhanced mobile broadband, that's great. But a lot of the IoT uh, is built on other types of capabilities that comes with the core network.
1: Ah, yes. So tell us a little bit about how you are launching IoT connectivity at the moment.
0: Explain a little what IoT is as well, maybe. (laughs)
3: yeah yeah that's yeah how many hours do we have no but this is a 5g pod but i'm gonna have to be a bit boring and take a couple steps back because it, it all started with m2m which was what it was called a couple of years ago and that was based on 2g and 3g
0: that's machine to machine
3: yeah machine to machine correct and a lot of our customers are still on that and as we're now facing the 2G, 3G sunsets. And this is a challenge for enterprises that have deployed applications based on on, on cellular technology. It's great to see that we now are on 4G. We have enabled new possibilities for customers to improve their IoT solutions and create value in new ways to their customers. And this is... Very much thanks to the new standards from 3GPP around low power wide area networks where you can roll those two flavors, the LTM and the NBIT. And this enables our customers to start actually doing transformation, changing how they are creating value to the customers, how they're solving customer problems, and how they're operating their own uh, business. So with IoT and 4G, this is actually starts paving the wave into the 5G IoT. So I would say that IoT is lagging a couple of years behind when it comes to adopting new technology. It's easy to start rolling out 5G smartphones and get the consumers to start using that. But to get the enterprises to deploy 5G technology in their end-to-end solutions that are deployed out in the field, out on, on in the real world, that takes a couple of years. So, from a network perspective, what we see right now is a Tremendous growth on the 4G technologies, the uh, massive IoT technologies.
1: Yeah. Can I just stop you for a second there? Because I just had a look. (laughs) I just had a look at the because there is actually an article also in the Mobility Report about massive IoT growth. And now there is a lot of these short forms. Uh, Paul, should we do a very quick explanation? First of all. IoT that we talk about. I'm a fan of IoT, so it was a, a long time since I started just using that trigram. But please tell us what is IoT?
0: IoT, the, the Internet of Things. Yeah.
1: So connected to the things, right?
0: Yeah, that's why we're using the different communications technologies to connect devices together or to to connect to, yeah, things. So that's anything from meters
1: like the electricity meters.
0: Sensors. Robots, cars, you've seen like connected cows and all sorts of different applications for uh, connecting things together and being able to take information and then to process it and be able to take decisions based on that for your business or for your consumers or whatever it is you're trying to achieve.
1: And people out there might have connected devices such as watches and other Stuff connected to the network, right? Some of them yeah, are connected. Those things as well. Yeah. Some of them connected via Wi-Fi, or other networks, and some of them are connected via cellular. Peter, any numbers there that's sticking out in the forecast when it comes to Ericsson Mobility Report?
2: Yeah, I mean we're talking billions of devices here as well. And if we count all the technologies from 2G, 3G, up to 5G, then so actually worldwide there are already two billion, around two billion cellular connected devices, IoT devices, actually. Uh, and we expect this to go up to 5.5 billion in 2027. There are different technologies here that will grow differently fast, but this massive IoT then that we're talking about, which is sensors that are low cost, long battery times, and they can be deployed in, in, in a massive way. I mean, you can have millions of devices out there and managed by an operator. Of course, that segment, we saw an 80% growth in 2021, and we expect that to to overtake actually the 2G, 3G legacy very soon. So it's, it's exciting times for this shift from old networks to the 4G networks and then to the 5G networks, that stuff I mentioned, yes, that, that will happen with time here.
1: Yeah, and you've divided this into sort of three different categories so we can just quickly go through those as well. So like it's the 2G, 3G, and then it's like what it's called broadband IoT and critical IoT, which is 4G and 5G. And then it's something called massive IoT, which is the technology is called NB-IoT and Cat M. Paul, you want to talk a little bit what are these strange combinations of?
0: Yeah, okay. Let's dig into those. Cat M maybe if I start with that. Each of the uh, devices on the mobile network or on a, on a 4G network has a different category and if you follow the technology on your smartphone then the category numbers on smartphones have been going up from Category 4 to Category 12 to Category 16. And those different categories describe the capabilities of the phone and normally, as the number goes up, the phone basically gets faster in terms of how much data you can send to the phone. But when we want to start using cellular for i o t applications, then they started with other categories which worked at the other end in terms of how do we make a device which is better battery life, lower power consumption, and uh, but maybe limited in terms of the data throughput so that's the categories at the other end, and that's things like category zero and category one and category n and those are all. Those all work like devices on the telephone network. So they connect in much the same way that a phone connects. Narrowband IOT is a 4G and actually 5G compatible connection method. So they connect over the 4G network, but they work a little bit like a network on the side. And you can have narrowband IOT devices that connect into your normal, your normal frequency band you're using for cellular, but you can also put in extra frequencies just alongside the cellular band and use it was in what's called the guard band. There's normally bit, some frequencies which you don't use. You can kind of squeeze that that frequency band and use that also for your IoT connectivity. A narrow band, I think is comparatively, I think it's very good from a kind of a low power consumption point of view. Stefan, does that's that description do it justice?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Basically, there's two flavors, as you mentioned, the KETM, which provides a bit more mobility and higher data rates, and then the narrowband, which is really low power for de- low data use cases, and long battery life. So we see we're see we supporting both of these technologies within the Telia network, and they are good for different kinds of use cases and different kinds of applications, dependent on what the needs are.
0: And then maybe just to jump in again on on those standards, one of the things that you get when you go to CATM or narrowband IoT is you get devices that are much more sensitive to low-power signals.
1: Yeah, low-power.
0: When your phone is down on one bar and you're thinking that you've not got any connectivity, an, an IoT device has probably still got two or three bars to go before it's at the same kind of limit of sensitivity and not being able to connect to the network. So those devices are the sorts of things you can stick in a cellar Where normally you wouldn't get good coverage for your phone, but it still gets adequate coverage to provide you with connectivity to your meter or your sensor or automated monitoring device, whatever it is.
3: Yeah, and the narrowband technology is actually potentially also going to be used in communication with satellites. And so that proves how far they can communicate with these kind of Low Earth orbit satellites are going to be able to communicate over narrowband IoT with devices on on the Earth.
1: So uh, narrowband has to do with the, the spectrum used as well. Then. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but then it like Peter said, like my massive IoT increased 80% just last year. That's big jump, of course. And but. Uh, Telia and Stefan, you are uh, uh, also active in Nordic and Baltic countries and in the article that you have co-written in the Ericsson Mobility Report focusing on, you have also seen an increase of 44% in connected IoT devices during last year. Explain what, what happened.
3: I think this is very much thanks to the new technologies, the low-power wide-air technologies, because this opens up way for, new, for customers to actually create customer value in new ways and solve problems in new ways. And they're starting to embrace these technologies, which leads to a significant growth in these kind of cellular IT connections.
1: When you, when you say your customers, can you give us some examples of countries
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, we have thousands of customers doing a lot of different things. The big customers being, as you mentioned, the electricity customers rolling out smart meters. That's millions of devices going out in Sweden in in, in the next couple of years uh, based on T and LTM technology. But then we have other examples where we have companies that can solve problems in new ways. For instance, in Finland, there's a huge archipelago with 80,000 islands off the Finnish coast. And they have a navigation system that is based on navigation marks that are distributed in the archipelago. But the problem, I don't know if you've been to Finland in the wintertime, but it's, you know, those winters are harsh. Uh, It's along the storms and winds. And what happens is that the nature moves these marks around. So every springtime, maritime authorities had to go around looking for these marks in the archipelago to, to put them right back in the right position. And this was time consuming and costly and caused a lot of fuel emissions. But now one of our customers have developed an NBIT-based tracker that they put on these markers. So they keep control of where they are and which have been moved so that they can be repositioned. And this, they're using low-power technology, which means that they can have small sensors that are using solar cells to, to power these trackers. So they are not dependent on batteries and the wide area part means that they, the, the archipelago is huge, but wherever these marks are, they get enough connectivity from the NBIT network.
1: Yeah, it's not like you can use Wi-Fi in an archipelago.
3: No. So this is really, <laughs> the, the new technology opens up for a way to solve a real life problem for the maritime authorities in Finland in, in a new way and you know, in a great way. So this is just one example, and there's millions of examples of, of how problems are solved in new ways.
1: When we talked to you before, you also said that you would talk about an example involving rats. And I'm so looking forward to that. Is, there, is now a good time? <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, you... <laughs>
1: Connected rats. Wow.
3: Yeah, why not? That's another customer of ours. that are...
1: That sounds super interesting.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or at least connected rat traps. And the rats is, are becoming a growing problem in, in in our cities. I know that there's a problem with wild boars in Rome, but that hasn't come to the Nordic part of the world yet. But the uh historically they've been using poison traps to do this. But the poison traps are not good for the environment. It gets into the ecosystem and it gets to our domestic pets. So this company wanted to find a way of doing it in a smarter and better way. So they developed a, a connected rat trap, which they locate in the sewers. But the sewers deep underground. There's a lot of concrete and there's steel covers to the manholes. So the, it wasn't until uh, the Telia and the IoT network came around that they could actually connect these rat traps. And what they're doing is that they... Uh, they're keeping track of uh, how many rats they're capturing, uh, and uh, they're keeping track of uh, the battery, and they're keeping track of the levels in the sewers and so on. So th- this adds value uh, to the customers and and, and solves the the authorities' problems with rats in, in a new way.
1: Mm. And those kinds of use cases, like, okay, you you want it to be low power, possibly solar cell driven, or you want it like underground where it's not that easy to get the, the 5G coverage or even Wi Fi coverage. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, then there you really see the use of sort of more. I'm sorry to say, but like older technology, but like 4G, 3G and 4G technology, where it is like going on the lower bands and, uh, and utilizing. It doesn't need those high speed, massive data connectivity that 5G brings.
3: Yeah, that's correct. But the good thing is that this is an entry point into 5G because these massive IoT, these low power technologies are also part of the 5G capability deck so once the good thing is that this is starting to happen now and the customers are starting to understand how they can benefit from this and this also brings them into the 5g where it's going to even better capabilities for massive iot in combination with the other things that are coming with 5g that enables also critical iot applications where you have business or mission-critical applications that are dependent on low latency, ultra-reliable responses. And so this is a way into the 5G and, and all the things that are going to be enabled within 5G for us. So then in 5G, one of the important parts is the possibility of doing private networks and doing either doing that based on local radio networks set up for enterprises or using the capability of slicing that comes with 5G, where you create a virtual network a virtual slice of the network that is optimized for specific purposes right now telia are involved in already rolling out a number of these private networks that are used for the, by the customers to to very much within industrial iot and in industrial cases to improve the way that they're you know running their factories or running their mines so that's typical things that are coming with 5G and that we're right now in, in the process enabling for our customers.
1: Do you run private 5G networks for customers, so to say? Just <laughs> trying to get Get a view of your how you're doing your business.
3: Yes, absolutely. That's part of our proposition to the enterprise market to to get the enterprise mobile network and that we run for them. So that becomes
0: a kind of managed private network for the enterprise. Yes. Exactly. And does Sweden have spectrum allocated for industrial uses, or is this using uh, Telia's licensed spectrum?
3: Honestly, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I think it's a combination.
1: Is there a spectrum or? difficulty getting spectrum in in the nordics and the baltics or how is that going because peter mentioned that has been holding things back in europe
3: i think spectrum is always a scarce resource and that's why we see the (laughs) the need to sunset the 2g and 3g technologies to to free up spectrum to be used for 5g
1: When it comes to IoT, if we're looking really into the future, where do you see that uh, the connected devices could have a huge impact?
3: I think that it's going to be a a game changer in in, in many ways, because it's going to change the way that companies create value for customers and how they operate their own business. Uh, And I think that the challenge, uh, at least initially, it's going to be a bit of a more complex ecosystem. Because it's a fairly complex puzzle with a lot of different pieces that are provided by different providers. I mean, if you're building a dedicated vertical solution, like a wireless connected manufacturing site, there are so many partners that need to contribute. There's great value that can be created, but there's also a lot of different pieces of puzzles that need to be put together. So getting the cellular and the IT and the vertical application ecosystem to work together is a bit of a challenge, but it's also going to open up great new opportunities for the manufacturer to be much more efficient in how they produce and how they change their production chain and being much more agile and fast. So I think in general, if we're looking at what are the different kinds of applications are coming, I think we can see that there's kind of critical applications where you have, for instance, remote surgery, which is dependent on the low latency and very reliable network. There's automation of vehicles, there's smarter transport systems. And where you're actually getting into a scenario where Everything is connected in your environment and needs to communicate. There's also an ecosystem play in that sense that you need to come together from a lot of different maybe industries and segments and and align on and agree on how these different, all these different devices are going and sensors are going to be able to communicate with each other. If you want to have a smart transport system, you need to get the cars and the buses, but also the bicycle helmets and the traffic systems to communicate with each other. And that's quite a complex challenge. So I think that the operators have a big role to play here, because if it's something that we're good at, it, it is to uh, how to standardize on communication and how to offer communication in a secure and, and reliable manner. But this is, it's still going to take, as I said, we're still now rolling out 4G from an IoT perspective, and these the possibilities that are coming with 5G it's going to take a couple of years for them to be realized when it comes to these more advanced kinds of solutions and applications
1: and what you're saying then more is you also need to see partnerships on the enterprise side wanting like these, the massive data that 5G can bring and have those use cases i suppose connected cars is something that's global and that many companies are working on different parts of Right.
3: Yes. And that's, I think, maybe industry that has the biggest impact on IT because it's so big in itself that they can actually drive the evolution of IoT. And they're taking a large responsibility for their own end-to-end solutions. And not all industries maybe can act in the same way that the automotive industry has done. They have been, for instance, been very much driving when it comes to the adoption of eSIM technology, which has been you know, an important part for the automotive business.
1: And very quickly, eSIM, is that something that Telia does and what is it?
3: <laughs> eSIM or EUICC, that's to put it simply, it's a SIM card that can be reprogrammed over there. You can basically change the subscription in your device or your mobile phone without changing the physical SIM card.
1: Wow, so no more trying to get that thing open on your phone or i t device, but you can actually change it around
3: No, it's already supported in in many consumer devices, smartphones, and it's coming more and more on the i o t side and I think it's even more important on the i t side because in your smartphone, you can actually switch your sim card but in electricity meters or something installed somewhere out in the countryside and managed remotely, there's no way of getting there to to replace the SIM card. You need to do it over the air.
0: And with things like when manufacturers create products which have capabilities for being connected to the Internet of Things, they don't necessarily know where it's going to end up. So if you're creating washing machines and you're sending them to be used in a different country, when they get there and you turn it on, then it can connect to the network and say, hey, I'm here, can I have my SIM? Instead of having to physically put a SIM into a washing machine.
1: Seems convenient.
0: Where's the slot for the SIM? <laughs> Where's the slot for the SIM <laughs> on my washing machine?
1: Do you have a SIM slot on your washing machine, Paul? <laughs> Not yet.
0: <laughs> but but also with cars, I mean, if, if a car gets shipped from one country to another or you're traveling to different countries, you can localize the connectivity to a local operator
3: instead of having to be roaming all the time. And I think that's...
1: Those little practical things. Mm
3: -hmm. That's something, a need that's going to grow even more in the future because more and more countries implement restrictions around permanent roaming. If you want to have your washing machine. In Brazil, you're not allowed to use a Swedish SIM card. You need to actually have a local subscription. And and this is something that we see on more and more markets. So the importance of having the capability of of, uh, localizing is increasingly important when it comes to IT.
1: Really fascinating, and you know, it is my fa- one of my favorite areas within telecom IoT connectivity. Yeah, and I realized that I don't know that much about the things behind, I just like using them. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I actually got my cellular connected smart meter just a few months ago here. So, and I, for the first time I checked out the app on my phone just the other day. And it looks like it's uh, giving me some good advice on how to save power there. So amazing stuff. And If you want to know more about how Telia has been driving this area and what you're doing and what in the future, Read the article in the latest Ericsson Mobility Report. And of course, we will link to the Ericsson Mobility Report website from the show notes. So you can go straight there. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Stefan and Peter. And thanks everyone for listening this time. And goodbye. Bye.